What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Sofa Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Jewell. Joined as always by my best friend and co-host, Reed Dank. Reed, how are you doing today? Great, brother. Great. I cannot wait to get into today's topics. We have some good ones today. What a day it is, and I will apologize to you again. We were supposed to record yesterday. I missed it. Now we are recording on Tuesday, pod set to come out on Wednesday. And since the 24 hours that we were supposed to record, a lot of stuff has happened, but I would like to congratulate you before we get into all that. You made it. Why am I being congratulated, Tyler? You made it, Reed. This is the last week without football until February. The last week. Next week, the first preseason game, the Hall of Fame game, August 2nd. I don't know off the top of my head who's playing in it because preseason games are so unimportant, but there's football next week. Let's go, baby. So, so ecstatic just to see some football. And I, I, I believe, um, I believe the Steelers are in it. I think that's like their every year thing is the Steelers play in the uh, stupid Canton game, but. It is the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets. So the first preseason game of the year, we will get to see the Jets, I'm sure, without Aaron Rodgers, but it's football whatsoever. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the Bucs and how they can turn it around this year without Tom Brady, our top five quarterbacks going into the season. But first, a new segment called Brief Bites. The nickname is Intesting, but basically we're going to do a quick run through of some of the biggest stories, give our quick thoughts before we jump into it. First off, I just wanted to congratulate the United States women's soccer team. Three to nothing win in the first World Cup game. They play again tomorrow night. I know you said you saw it in and out, but definitely a solid win to start off the to start off the group stage here. Did you have any thoughts from that game? We just looked dominant. I don't I don't think that Vietnam really got much possession to begin with. And so, you know, the women are doing great to start. And I'm excited to see how they perform against the Dutch. The Dutch on Wednesday is a big test for them. Yeah, it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a lot closer. And I hope that Megan Rapino and Alex Morgan kind of step up because Megan Rapino came in off the bench and she had some chances to score. I thought she was going to score coming off the bench, which she's just a U.S. soccer legend. So you'd love to see it. And Alex Morgan had the missed penalty kick. So those two could definitely make an impact that they that they just weren't able to in the first game. And if they could just put a couple of those pieces together, I think it would lead to a win. Big revenge game tomorrow. Big revenge game tomorrow because the the Dutch took down the men's team. So a little a little blood, a little rivalry to be had. Over the past week, I believe it was on Saturday, the Ravens signed Melvin Gordon to a one-year deal. The same day, they hosted free agent linebacker Kyle Van Noy for a visit. That was on Friday, my bad. Nothing has happened with that yet, but initial thoughts on the Ravens signing Melvin Gordon to this deal? Add another running back to the depth chart, you know? There, there's some uh, clearly some intention behind it. The same thing uh, applies from last season where you just kind of go on this running back carousel and and you have unlimited options to choose from. Yeah, Melvin has shown production in the past. He's had a history with fumbles, which is a concern for me. But when I saw this report, I was like, oh my goodness, does this mean J.K. Dobbins is going to hold out? Does this mean J.K. Dobbins is going to, like, what's he going to do? And, you know, because that's just where my mind goes to. He wants to get paid more, even though he's been injured. He hasn't really proven exactly what he's worth yet, in my opinion. But hopefully this is just a precaution. J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards probably aren't going to take any 
preseason snaps. So, you know, you need more bodies in there, but the 3.1 million, I think just kind of opened some people's eyes, but at the same time, it's just, uh, it's up to that with incentives. So hopefully it's nothing more than just a depth signing and it's nothing, it's nothing deeper than that because there are some, definitely some overreaction of Ravens fans on Twitter as there always is, but you know, it's just hard to tell at this point, but then also yesterday, I believe it was Marcus Peters signed with the Raiders one year up to 5 million, which didn't seem like a lot of money. The Ravens have that much money and they could have brought him back. Your thoughts on the Raven or your thoughts on the Raiders signing Marcus Peters. Well, for them, it's a huge pickup, but for you guys, it's, it's a huge loss. I mean, he, he was a pro bowler, you know, <clears throat> for a reason. And, and anytime you give up an all-star caliber player, it's always the, the same reaction and it's just an it's just always a negative. It's never there's no positive spin to it. You you can't spin your way out of that one. He's a huge asset and to see him go and walk away, it it that's just just not what you want to see as a fan. I, I trust me, I've had a couple moments with the Lions where the same thing has occurred, like just a player walking and it's never fun. It's never fun. No, he was one of those dudes that just brought a special energy to the Ravens, and I was hoping to get him back. Obviously, you know, the Ravens could have paid that much money, so there, there's a reason they didn't bring him back. It might have been a John decision. It might have been an Eric DaCosta decision. I'm not exactly sure. They did sign Rocky Asin like a month or two ago. He played on the Raiders last year, which is kind of funny. Um, there's also, you know, still some free agents out there that have been T- rumored that you know the Ravens should go after him or whatever. The Ravens signed a defensive back yesterday from the Steelers, who I've I've never heard his name, um, but I, I think it's just more of a depth piece. And Marcus Peters is one of those guys that can step in and start. So you know it'll be fun to see him on the Raiders. I wish he was on the Ravens. But while we're talking defensive back defense news, yesterday the Lions had a bit of a scare with C.J. Gardner Johnson. Going down in practice, non-contact injury ended up being carted off the field. Initially, it thought to be, you know, potentially season-ending. By the end of the day, they diagnosed him as day-to-day. This is a this was a big signing for the Lions. This was exciting and you know a great piece to the defense. So, what are you thinking when you hear this news? It breaks, and you know, there's potential that he could be out for the season. I, I awoke yesterday morning to what was possibly the one of the worst bits of news you could ever get and seeing one of your players totally get taken out for the season without even touching the field during game one. So we were all scared. Um, I have a close buddy who's at training camp uh, today. He said CJ is, is on limited touches and, and just doing a little bit of limited practice. I don't think he's even doing anything physical contact. I believe he's watching the sidelines today, but it, it, one of those scares is always just, never fun at any level you never want to see you know your your stud cornerback get hurt and and thankfully cj is okay but our, our general fear in the morning was well this is a, a long-term knee injury and so this isn't just for the now this is potentially a career hurting thing we come to find after doing some diagnosing and digging the doctors find that he's totally suitable and and i think it was four or five days he's cleared to practice again so we went from Total chaos, total pandemonium. Oh my God, we're going to lose our cornerback. You know, one of our stud cornerbacks we just acquired to, okay, you know, he just needs a couple of days off. He just needs a couple of days to do no contact. And, and here we are, you know, thanking, thanking the big one on this one because we would be so shot without him. 
Yeah, I mean, he was definitely a good offseason addition to help bolster that defense. And right behind him, depth-wise, is rookie Brian Branch from Alabama, which seems like, you know, it seems like he has potential. It seems like he's going to be a good player. But how how would you feel if he came, if, if the situation turned into, you know, C.J. Gardner-Johnson's out for the season, how do you feel about Brian Branch stepping in as a rookie? And, you know, how much confidence do you have in him? You have to trust a lot only because of seeing how rookies last year performed for the lions i saw a super productive um, malcolm rodriguez i saw a super <laughs> our boy kirby joseph played fantastic oh, yeah. um and who's to say brian yeah exactly so who's to say brian branch can't step in and, and fill that role it doesn't matter even if cj gardner is out you still got to have a productive season you know with him for the touches he gets it, it's a super exciting prospect to watch Brian Branch perform this season. And I, I just hope he's everything we thought he he has been at Alabama. Because anything performance-wise, the NFL level close to that is just what you want. So we, we are super excited for him. Um, and and we're, I hate to say it, but I'm so glad he's not going to be pushed into a role where he has to be cornerback two or, or, or one in, in this instance. So I don't think he'd be one, but he'd be he'd be a high pie roller in, in the cornerback system this year. Yeah, definitely. You can put him in in specific situations and you don't have to pressure him right away to go out and perform. So very good news. I'm very glad that, you know, it, it sounds all positive for Johnson and that, you know, hopefully he'll make a return back full, full participant to the field very soon. Um, luckily, we still have a little over a month, a month and a half until game one. So, but you know, you want all your guys healthy. That's the tough part about training camp is, you know, there's always going to be injuries and you just have your fingers crossed. It's not going to be your team. As we talked about in the last episode, the running back market is in shambles right now. On Saturday night, Austin Eckler organized a Zoom meeting to discuss the depressed running back market. It included Christian McCaffrey, Najee Harris, J.K. Dobbins, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Josh Jacobs, and Saquon Barkley, along with Aaron Jones, Tony Pollard, and Joe Mixon. Some of the comments that came out where Nick Chubb said they are kind of handcuffed in the situation. When they have more production, that hurts them the most because if they go out for 2,000 carries the next season, they're going. the front office is going to say they're worn down. Um, so it hurts them at the end of the day. Um, but he said he's kind of just playing both sides. He wants to be there for his team, but he's also understanding that he could be in a situation like Saquon Barkley, like Josh Jacobs. They And this is another thing that came out that I thought was kind of weird. They discussed exaggerating or fabricating injuries when they're in a contract standoff, which is only going to make things worse. How I look at it is it's kind of tough right now for the running backs to get any leverage. I feel like this meeting is is good. It's a good start. You know, it's not a bad thing at the moment, but I don't know that the meeting does anything for them in the future, in the right now. Do you have any thoughts on this meeting and, you know, did it really push the needle one way or another or, you know, how productive was it? It can only be X amount productive and it really just wasn't a lot. I mean, you can, you can hear them talk as much as you want to, but it doesn't really move much of a needle when all you're doing is discussing, you know, how much this, this position seems to be quote depreciating, but at the end of the day, each team right now, as it stands, needs a running back. There's no question about it. And so people can say 
that in the future it's it's just going to not be used. You know, listen, teach to, to their own. But but if you're going to use a running play scheme, like some teams just heavily pound the run game. I've heard so many strange takes of it's just basically a plot for front office people to depreciate the the concept of the running back. And and I've I've heard so many times just some some interesting people say, well, there isn't going to be running backs in the future. They're just there's just no need for them. And, and to that, I say it's just such a strange thing to to play in a league that's only ever been you know persistent on the running back game. Where I I can completely understand the running back perspective is getting you know lit up on on big hits by defensive players. It, it's not lost on me that it's a super, super, super challenging thing to do. Um, and it's a super hard position to just really master your craft. But but these guys don't want to go out there and and then have, you know, have sustaining lifelong problems only to find their position is, is ran down into the grave. They don't want that, you know, as for front office people, I, I, I don't think this is a smart move. Um, to, to, to vote against running backs. It's entirely needed right now. You can say in, in 15 years, it's not needed, but it's needed right now. Uh, and, and no one, no one tomorrow is going to change their playbook to an exclusive pass game. That just doesn't work. And it never has, and it never will. So I, I'm so conflicted. I understand the running backs perspective completely. I disagree with the front office people thinking that running backs are, are no longer a thing or no longer needed. Good luck on running a complete passing game. Good luck with that. Yeah, it just the, the run game just balances it out. And nine times out of 10, a team with a solid run game combined with a passing game is going to be a recipe for success. The Chiefs are just kind of the oddball out where they don't necessarily need a super strong running game because Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are going to get it done. But the more that they can add from the run game is just going to help make Patrick Mahomes' job easier. One thing that that I heard talked about was the running backs need quarterbacks to speak up for them. And then that would, that would make a big difference because the quarterbacks are the ones getting the big deals. But I, I don't know. It's hard to tell like how this situation is going to change. But we do have some breaking news, which is this morning we woke up to the notification that Saquon Barkley is going to play this season. Saquon Barkley signs a one-year deal with the Giants worth up to $11 million. So he didn't really make that much more money. But at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm happy because he's going to be playing football this year. But I mean, I think that this is exciting news for Giants fans. This is exciting news for football fans. But, you know, I am surprised that it was only for $11 million. Yeah, myself included on that one. But at least the contract has been agreed to. He is absolutely a top 10 running back when healthy. Totally get it. Hopefully this has a trickle-down effect with um, Pollard and Jacobs because those two guys are are completely needed in the league as well. They're absolutely needed. So hopefully Barkley opens the floodgates. Hopefully they get their payday. Hopefully all is normal in, in, in both franchises and out of the Cowboys and and Raiders, but man, what a strange thing this this whole running back holdout. I, I I had a feeling at some point in time this would be discussed, but I didn't think it was going to be this week. 
I thought maybe five years down the road, there's discussion, but now it seems like everyone's in this wave and movement of, well, running backs aren't entirely needed. I, I just didn't think we'd arrive here so, so soon. Yeah. Cause the game has definitely been trending towards passing the ball more and wide receivers, but I can't believe that, you know, like you said, I can't believe the move happened so quickly. You know, the giants want him out at training camp. I assume he wants to be there. I, it, I get the vibe that he enjoys. He loves the Giants. You know, he is the Giants. So they need him out there. It makes a difference. So it makes sense that they got the deal done so quick. But at the same time, you know, they were going months on months without being able to make a deal. And then, you know, the deadline passes and boom, they made a they made a one-year deal. So Think about this for just one second, man. How about the rookies going into this year? How about Jameer Gibbs has to step into a whole thing where there is a, a, a dispute among his position players already, and he hasn't even touched the, an NFL game field yet. He hasn't touched a down of football at Ford Field. There's been zero touches. How about the guys who are about to be drafted, the Trayvon Hendersons, the Blake Corums? Uh, like, what are you supposed to do when you're going to step into this realm of I haven't even shown up for game one yet. And there's already contemplation of, of my position completely depreciating in value. That's, that's not fair or cool at all. I just, it's so unfun when these things happen amidst this off season, because there's this kind of looming fear that walks into the next season. And, and that's, that's not a positive spin for someone who's very young and wants to continue, you know, what they've built already in this, this profession at their position. Why is that fair to them? You know, I, I just, it, it's all super strange. You only want the young guys in their positions to succeed. You only want the veterans who, who have, who have carried themselves with poise to, to thrive in their position, to keep this position in, in complete value. It's just really weird. I don't, I don't understand it. But we're here. But we're here. We have to talk about it. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, for guys like Blake Corum and Rook and running backs coming up, rookie running backs this year, you know, stepping into it, they can't be super excited because they know what situation they're getting into. And I think that there's a little bit of truth in there. There was concern about Jonathan Taylor coming out of college because of how many touches he had. Was he was he past the point? Did he have too much wear and tear on him? And, you know, these guys are coming up and they're expecting to make all this big money in the NFL. And now their position is just so devalued. And it, it's true that you can get away with drafting a rookie running back in late rounds and be very successful and not have to pay them a lot of money. But at the same time, the, the studs of the league, they deserve their money, just like just like wide receivers deserve their money. They deserve to be paid at a certain level that's fair to them and fair to the team. And I don't think that they need to be under underballed. I don't think it's a crazy thing to compared to what like Christian McCaffrey's getting. I don't think it's a crazy thing for Saquon to be getting 15 million a year and that deal just get done. I don't know why that's so, so challenging. I have one fear and my big fear, and I think it's a completely fair fear. What if running backs, hit this uh, value of what an offensive lineman makes or what, or what a middle linebacker makes or, or what 
a punter makes or what a kicker makes or, or you, you know where I'm going with this. I think the general fear for running backs is that they are a least wanted um, position, much, much like sometimes you just need that offensive lineman to build around. And some of those guys get it back. And some of those guys don't get a bag at all, and they're playing on on very cheap deals. I think running backs have this fear that they're going to be playing on offensive lineman type of pay, and that's where I, I completely value the the. It's almost this art of being an offensive lineman, but there there is absolutely a fear among running backs in the league right now that they are going to start getting paid like offensive linemen, and they are so anti that. And I, and I don't blame them. They, they absolutely take the most beating of any position in the league. Uh, and I, and I think that's pretty fair to say that, you know, when you're getting, when, when a semi truck is about to dive at you and you happen to avoid the, the semi truck, I think it's okay. Letting them, you know, get paid $11 million on a year of contract. I think you're, you're allowed to do that. And I think they're allowed to make that bag, but there's something to be said about the art of the offensive lineman and how just the, the difference in value. Some people are disagreeing with that. That's th- those are my points. Every year, the salary cap increases and somehow the price tag on running backs has just decreased. And, you know, like you were noting the positions, I'm sure you saw the viral post that went out a week or two ago and it was, the average salary for a running back compared to the average salary of a kicker. And they put the picture of the goat Justin Tucker on there. And I think that the average salary of a kicker was a little bit more than running backs. But then you also have to put in there that, you know, running backs, there's three or four running backs on each roster because of depth. And there's one kicker on each roster. So if you take out those bottom two or three guys that aren't playing, then I think that that number goes up a little bit, but, but still, I mean, they, they definitely deserve to be paid more and for what they're doing. I mean, they're going out there and putting their body on the line. They're out there right there with the quarterbacks, with the receivers, helping them get it done. And they're just not being compensated correctly. But, you know, I don't want my team to be salary kept by a running back because unfortunately the injuries are just really one play away. I think that it's just such a tough position to be in. Final news on Quick Bites this morning. Last week, Jordan Addison was pulled over for going 140 in a 55-mile-per-hour zone. Not a good start for the rookie. It was like 3 in the morning. Um, He did report to training camp on Sunday, though, and he said he he was speeding because there was a medical emergency with his dog. I I hate to ask, but do you buy it? Is Is this the truth? I mean, I assume it is. The only thing we can do is take it as truth, but you know, I, I don't, he wasn't charged with anything. So you can only really take that for what it is. So assuming it wasn't DUI, you know, then, then everything just seems like it, it, it genuinely was the truth because they, they obviously check all of those things anyways. And um, something about wide receivers and speeding late night just does not go well together. And, you know, I hope that this is just a one-time thing because, you know, it's just a bad situation. So hopefully it was, hopefully his dog's all good. Hopefully this doesn't happen again. And hopefully, you know, he can just have a fresh start in the training camp and this won't affect anything like that. Let's get into the usual segment we've been doing here the last couple of weeks, talking about a team from last season and how they can improve this season. 
This week's highlighted team is the Buccaneers in 2022. The Bucs were led by Tom Brady, the GOAT, a quarterback, the best ever do it, and a new head coach in Todd Bowles. A bit of a Super Bowl slump still led the Bucs to winning their division, which was one of the worst in the NFL last year, if not the worst. They won with a record of 8-9, and nine, and they were blown out in the wild card round by the Cowboys, 31-14. Now they are in search of who they are and where they are headed in a division where... Every team was separated by one game last year. The other three teams were seven and eight, so it was a very tight division. This division has made some big additions this offseason. Every team has made big additions to try to bolster their roster, except the Bucks. I think. What are your initial thoughts on the Bucks' 2022 season? Well, first, congrats to the Cowboys on, on actually doing something in the playoffs um, and then getting completely smoked in the second game. Um, it, they are exactly the Maple Leafs of the NFL. <clears throat> and trust me as a Maple Leaf fan, I, I know how that goes. Being like the hatest team, I'm sorry, the most hated team in the league. Trust me, I am well aware of what goes into that. Um, so moving along, the Buccaneers had almost I Super Bowl slump is a great way to phrase what, what their season was. They they had this this faux pas winning season, if you want to call it that, because their division was just so weak. They kind of had no choice but to make it in. Um, wh- where I think their, their season just hit some rough patches was just the, this mishmash of, of too much passing or too much running. And there was no middle ground. It was either one or the other. There was either too much running or there was too much passing. There was, you know, just no balance. It really seemed, and we talk about not having balance amongst teams that just don't succeed. This is like the takes the cake. And now it's not a winning season, but look at how comparable everything else is. The lions went nine and eight and didn't make the playoffs. The Buccaneers went eight and nine and made the playoffs as the best team in their division. So just so strange to see how different divisions can impact different teams and, 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 and level of play. Where I think the the Buccaneers, you know, had had some good good points this season to build off of. I, I they are super good at um, their fourth down conversion rate. They were among the most successful teams among fourth down uh, completions. I think a lot of that weighed on on Tom Brady, but they were just very successful at, at, at fourth down production. And not only that, they they you know. They started off with a bunch of, you know, passing yard plays that that went for many yards. But as the season went on, they just had less and less of that. It's worth noting they started off um, against the Panthers at their eight and eight game, so they're right in the middle of their season. And I'm sorry, right towards the end of their season, and they're getting the most pass yards they've ever gotten. Um, but but then at the very start of the season, let's see, they're they're five games in and they only go for 110 pass yards. So it's almost this fluctuation of. Of the season starts great, and they do a lot of good passing. As in their first week, they had a ton of passing yards, and then we get into the mid, you know, midpoint in the season, and and they're not passing anywhere near enough. And then, of course, they're towards the very end to get towards the playoffs, they're passing a ton. So there's just a lot of fluctuation. I know, I, I know, I spoke very differently when I when I phrased that. I meant to say they passed a ton um, towards the end of the season. Yeah, for me, when I'm looking at this team, I look at the offense because Tom Brady, I think that the defense has a lot of potential. They have some good pieces. Their linebackers were really good. And their defense kept them in a lot of games. 
How many games do you think that the Bucs scored over 24 points last season? I think they only had like two. I think they only had one or two. They had one game last season over 24 points and they lost that game. So I think that the, the offense just wasn't there. It's not the Tom Brady that we're used to seeing. He was forcing a lot of things. Nothing was just going right. They just couldn't get anything going. And now they also had a new coach last season, which I think plays a factor into it because Todd Bowles is a defensive minded guy. Bruce Arians is all about the offense. So I think that that makes a difference too. But now with a team that didn't have a very good offense last year, now they go from Tom Brady to Baker Mayfield. What's this offense going to look like? I can only assume sloppy. I, I can only assume sloppy. It's so strange. They have two or three lethal weapons at the wide receiver position, but I don't think they're going to be like, I think it's going to be very challenging for them to catch some passes here. I, I don't think that Baker quite has the arm. He did um, a couple seasons he had in Cleveland and uh, Kyle Trask to back him up is not all that great. So if Baker goes down, it's almost, you know, it's almost all on Kyle Trask to pick up the pieces. And and I think we all understand that Baker is, is very injury prone. So I don't love this scheme. I don't love the setup. We saw, I think it was the very first week of, of um, Buccaneers quarterbacks taking throws. Trask and Mayfield just looked so beyond awful. And you can only go off of that, of what you've actually seen. Now that we're getting close to, to real training camp time, I think we'll, we'll see the true testament of, of what these guys can genuinely do because at this point, they're going to start fighting for position. So it's either going to be one of the two. So it's going to be Trask or or um, Mayfield. And right now on the depth chart, of course, Mayfield is number one. But Trask is totally totally capable of, of, of beating out Mayfield to, to take the number one spot. And, and Trask had to go through some quarterback shuffle at Florida. So he understands how that goes. Yeah, I think that we could easily see both quarterbacks play this season. I say Baker just because that's some more household name. That's who you expect to start. But, you know, at this point, it, it could really be either of them. But I do think that, you know, the season doesn't go great for Baker. And I think that you could see Kyle come in and play. When you talk about the offseason additions, Baker is kind of the one that sticks out to me. When you're looking at what they did, they didn't really do a lot to bolster their roster. But when you look at the Saints, new quarterback, when you look at the Panthers, new quarterback, a ton of wide receivers, and when you look at the Falcons, who have just been building up this team, now they get Clayus Campbell, they have Bijan Robinson. This division, it looks like they're going to be pretty good this season. But then you look at the Bucs, what did the Bucs do? They re-signed Levante David. I know that Devin White wants a new contract. I don't know that they've, I don't think that they've given that to him yet. They release Cameron Brait, Leonard Fournette. They sign kicker Chase McLaughlin. They sign a couple no names. They sign Chase Edmonds to a one year deal. So there's not a lot going on here that I'm like, oh, that's going to help them out, you know. So, uh, I mean, what do you think about you know kind of what they did this offseason, com- especially compared to what their division did? It was quiet for what it should have been. There should have been more action going on there. I will defend them. Clayja Cansey is such a good draft pick. I, I think he was a, a hidden gem that, that honestly at 19, he probably should have been higher up um, earlier drafted. I don't think that's, that's unfair to say at all. The only other draft pick I really loved was um, <clears throat> Payne Durham 
But here's the problem with Payne Durham. He's under a system where he's like the fourth or fifth tight end on their depth chart. So they already have Kate Otten. They already have um, Coquive. So I, I just didn't understand that pick. It, it, he's a great tight end. He has real like potential upside, but Payne Durham out of Purdue is, is probably going to sit in Tampa's depth chart pretty low unless he gets some touches and, and we'll see where that, where that goes. But um, another, another kind of, you know, see how it pans out pick is Trey Palmer at wide receiver from Nebraska. I don't expect him to get many touches at all. We already know the, the three heavyweight wide receivers and, and he's not going to, not going to take it over. He's so untalked about it. Even with Baker Mayfield, at quarterback, Kyle Trask, at quarterback, Mike Evans still 100% goes for a thousand yards a season. He's one of the most underrated wide receivers. He just goes out there and gets it done. There's no drama. There's no off the field stuff. He's just a good guy. And he goes out there and he produces a thousand yards, no matter how he does it every season. And the NFL overlooks him. I think he's kind of the Austin Eckler of wide receivers. How do you feel about him going over a thousand yards with a quarterback situation that is in Tampa Bay? Well, I don't, I don't love it. Um, I admittedly don't love it. I, I think he just happens to click um, with, with, I think he happened to click with, with Jameis and Tom. I don't know how he's going to look at this situation with Baker or, or Kyle Trask because it, it does not look pretty as, as we've seen, it does not look pretty. And I, I want it for him because you're right. He's just one of the good guys. He just shows up. He has a thousand percent work ethic. He just, he just, he's just a baller. He's just a baller. He's just one of those Cooper cup ballers that no matter who it is, he will try and go for that a thousand yard mark. I just think it's very difficult when your quarterback can't throw an accurate pass. And, you know, let, let's face it, Baker, I think we're, we're going to see the tail end of Baker. And then I, I don't know how I feel about Kyle Trask. I just, my emotions are not very high on these quarterbacks and I don't know how it's going to impact him. And then we don't talk enough about uh, Chris Godwin either. Chris Godwin does not get talked enough uh, about either. He really has that upside of, of super deep threat passes. He just has that potential too. I I think Godwin and Evans are the most untalked about duo in the NFL in terms of wide receiving production. Especially with Tom Brady there, they were, studs they played really well and you're right nobody talks about them they just fly under the radar probably Tampa Bay is just you know it's not a team people talk about and then Tom Brady came and people talk about him and now they just kind of you know float underneath now nobody's talking about him not a lot of buzz but two studs down there that you know can consistently play well when Chris Godwin can play healthy you know when he can be healthy two studs down there get a final prediction for the Bucks record where do you think that they rank in their division this season yeah I don't I don't love it I I, I think their ceiling is honestly six or seven wins they had an eight and nine season I think it goes down a win or two the NFC South seems to just only get younger and younger the Panthers are building around a completely young rookie quarterback the Falcons are giving their their somewhat starting quarterback in, in Ritter. They're finally committed to him being their starter. That that division's only getting younger. And, and I don't know if, if the Buccaneers are going to be able to keep it, you know, keep on on pace or on par with these young teams, with young players that 
look fantastic. You know, my, my fear is that this window with two quarterbacks that just don't seem like they're very comparable leaves them pretty susceptible to having a bad record. And I don't, you know, I don't think it's totally unfair to say. I think that the Falcons are building something of a roster again. I think their young players like London, Pitts, Bijan Robinson, they're all they're all like NFL ready and and already building up somewhat of a good career. So it just leaves Tampa in a really weird position where they're great defensively, but offensively we just don't know. I think it calls for a, a seven win season. I'm along the same lines. I think that there's a chance that the Bucks' first win doesn't come until week eight against the Texans. They have a tough schedule to start it off with the Vikings week one, then the Bears, who are an up-and-coming team, Eagles week three, Lions week five. So there's some tough games here to start off. Bills week seven. So I think that there's a chance that they could just go on a losing streak, unfortunately. And I see them going seven and ten as well. And that's going to be last in the division for me. Next up, top five QB rankings right now. Me and Reed's list. All right, to kick off my list, number one, the obvious choice, I think, on everybody's QB ranking, Patrick Mahomes. Patty Mahomes. He's the best quarterback in the league. He has been for a while, and he will continue to be no matter what the wide receiver situation is. Not a great, not a great wide receiver room, and he still just won the Super Bowl. He will stay there until somebody consistently dethrones him. Patty Mahomes. Next. <laughs> we agree on number one. Number two, Jalen Hurts. He had a great season, took his team to the Super Bowl, and in my opinion, he was the better quarterback in the Super Bowl. He will continue to grow. He's got a great supporting cast around him, which just is going to continue to elevate his play. I believe that he only continues to grow from what we saw last season and potentially, you know, a very strong MVP candidate. Jalen Hurts is my number two. I'm going to hype your boy up here. Lamar at two for me. Lamar at two. Okay. So for me, Lamar is just so dynamic. He's just so speedy. And that speed matches perfectly with how good he's able to throw on the run, how good he's just able to get out of a scenario where he can turn a totally sloppy snap into just like a running play that goes for 18 yards. He's a wizard. And if he can just get back to that kind of freshman, sophomore era, Lamar Jackson, I, I don't even think there would be any delineation about how, how much he's just worth his value. And, and if we can just get him to that level, there is a, there is a total chance where he just gets back to that MVP form. I don't know if it's Patty Mahomes good, but he really just has that potential and it's still right there for the taking. So I'm going to put him at two. I like that pick. I was trying to make sure not to show too much Lamar bias in my list, but Lamar at two, I like that pick. Number three, I this this is where it started to get challenging for me. One and two, pretty easy. Three, four, and five. When you're looking across the quarterback landscape, I just feel like the production decreases very, very sharply. And it, it's tough. It starts to get muddled. Who Who's better than who? It gets very tight. And number three, I went Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow took his team to a Super Bowl and then an AFC Championship game. He didn't play well against the Ravens. They played awful against the Ravens, but still, he got it done. 
and he took his team to the AFC Championship. He's he's got a great supporting cast, which is a huge bonus. But he's very consistent. He's good in clutch moments, and I have him at my number three. Yeah, my number three. I'm gonna take your number two in in uh, Jalen Hurts. I think he's um, a freight train. I don't think he has any fears of any of any you know defensive lineman. I don't think he has any fear at all. He's just a fearless guy, and that so translates to him at quarterback. I, I love the way he played in the Super Bowl, despite coming out in the losing end. He's just he's just a machine. He he's really a machine quarterback. And hey, more power to Philly. They they have an absolute stud at their at their quarterback position. Yeah, Jalen Hurts is a beast. Love that guy. He will be back to the Super Bowl for sure. Love that pick. Number four, I'm putting my guy in there, Action Jackson, Lamar Jackson. He's just so elusive. He has so much. I, I just can't wait to see him in this new offense under Todd Munkin. He's got the receivers now. He's still got great running backs. I'm so excited to see him. I think he could be right up there at one or two by the end of the season, you know, and it's it's just so exciting. It's just he's he resigned. He's going to be a Raven. I just can't wait to continue to watch him. And, you know, he's he's clutch. He is He's just got so many tools in his bag that he can use. He's a smart player. And if we can get an injury-free season from him, he's going to be at the top of this list. I can completely agree with your testament. My number four is a guy I don't even think you have on your list. I think four, Josh Allen still remains that top five food chain with a very weird kind of fluctuating performance season. I, I think he'll limit those interceptions. And I think that those bigger plays that he goes for help help a ton. And so that from, for, from that angle, I still think that production is absolutely there. I'm going to keep Josh Allen at four and just hopefully he, he keeps that, that <clears throat> you know, sophomore, junior season he had up because this last season was not the greatest. No, it wasn't. And he forces a lot of turnovers. And I, was, I wasn't sure where I wanted to put him. He's kind of been hovering on being underneath Patrick Mahomes' shadow. And I feel like now he's under Joe Burrow's shadow as well. And the, the Bills have had, they've been the team to beat the Super Bowl contenders every season. And they just fall up short. And I think a large part of that is due to Josh Allen, which is why Stefan Diggs gets so upset. So with my number five, I left him out of my list. I went Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, he's got a fresh start. He looks fantastic. I can't, he had, he had a bad last season. And I recognize that I just have trouble leaving him out of my top five with this, what he's been put into. I just, I'm excited to see him play. And I just, I think there's plenty left in the tank. And I, I think he's going to be one of the top quarterbacks this season. Hey, listen, it's a sensible pick and I completely get it. My number five has to be Joe Burr. And I think it's with good reason. He's still in that top five candidacy. He's still got that upside of, of just, absolutely staying on his feet when when seven guys are are trying to tackle him he's the one who gets away escape you know scot-free and 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 takes off he's such an underrated qb scrambler and i think he really showed what he's he's capable of of doing he had so much trouble trouble in his freshman and sophomore year of just sliding and getting down he understands how to be a sensible quarterback and read when a defender is like right near him he just has that um 
real upside and potential to still be in that top five candidacy. And I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. Yeah, I think Joe Burrow has to be in that top five list. I like that pick, just sliding him in there. It, it was challenging getting those three through five for me because there's a lot of quarterbacks that are good that just haven't gotten it done yet. And that that's where it just falls a little bit short for me. There's good quarterbacks out there. Trevor Lawrence had a great season. Kirk Cousins is consistent. Dak Prescott gets a lot of hype. Tua might have been very close, if not in that list, if he wouldn't have gotten injured. Um, but for me, just a, uh, an honorable mention that should be in this list by the end of the year, Trevor Lawrence. I expect him to continue to keep playing well, especially with Calvin Ridley out there. To- totally sensible, honorable mention. Lawrence has so many new weapons surrounding him and, and just so much consistency last season just to get to the playoffs. The, the Lions are where we wish that we were like in the placement of the Jags. We wish we were there. We wish we were them. We wish we had the chances to touch the playoffs. We got so close, weren't there, but but Lawrence obviously got into that promised land. I think the honorable mention, and will probably be um, passer number six in, in the rankings, um, is Justin Herbert. So we've had a, a year or two of kind of inconsistencies and weirdness with Justin Herbert. But if he can just anywhere get in that ballpark of his freshman, you know, freshman year and freshman season, He's totally capable, and if he can just get back to that level, I, I hope for, for his sake and for the team's sake, it erases that label of, of the chokers. They build up so much offensive stuff only to blow it or to have a weird clock malfunction strangeness. If they can just limit that, they're totally capable. And, and so if they can eliminate some of the problems that plague them, Justin Herbert to me is, is potentially shoe-in at this top five. But as my honorable mention, I think for right now, I'll say he's at number six if in, in the passing in the league. Yeah, young stud who should just continue to improve. He just, for me, that's one of the ones that he's on most list, but I just couldn't add him in there because he just hasn't, Lamar hasn't gotten to that point. Um, Jalen Hurts finally got to that point. Herbert just hasn't proved enough to me. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what he needs to do, but he he just... He gets a lot of hype, but I just I'm waiting to, I'm waiting for him to shine through, and I know he will. Let's close it out with the slander of Jared Goff. PFF is one of the lists I was looking at when we were doing these quarterback rankings. I wanted to see what other people had. PFF had Jared Goff at number 16, which I think that that's just blasphemy after the season that he had last year. They have Derek Carr ranked above him, Matthew Stafford ranked above him, Tua Tungavailoa, who barely played last season, ranked above him. Dak Prescott, who gets all this hype for no reason, ranked above him. Kirk Cousins ranked at nine. This is just preposterous. I don't even know what word to use that he's ranked down in the right, right there in the middle after the season that he had last year. Hold, hold on, did I hear that right? They had Stafford above him. Matthew Stafford was at twelve. Derek Carr was at fourteen. Geno Smith at fifteen, and they had Daniel Jones at seventeen. Jared Goff right in there at 16. We're still we're we're still playing that game, huh? No, no <clears> respect for the Lions. They can disrespect us all they want until they, they they see us in the field this year. And they can say we're not gonna make the playoffs. We'll see we'll see that on the field this year. Until I'm proven wrong on the field, I don't agree with anything PFF says. So 
if they want to go ahead and, and mark and measure Jared Goff is the 16th ranked quarterback in the league, which would probably be on par with like Matt Ryan or like rookies like Anthony Richardson, who have, we have no gauge on what they're going to be, but just, just let them talk. Just let them and until they prove it on the field. This last season was no fluke. It was no accident. So to, for for PFF to say that makes me think that they think this last season was an accident getting to nine and eight. I completely disagree. Um, and uh, until I'm proven wrong again, I, I just, I don't, I don't follow that logic. I don't track that logic. Did, did, I don't know if they watched Matthew Stafford's last season. I think they would pretty reasonably think to themselves, those two aren't even in the same league right now. And that means, I mean, no disrespect to Matty Stafford because he's led our franchise to what, you know, only so many wins and, and so many, play, you know, so many playoff attempts or playoff chances. If they're just not in the same league right now, we, we won the trade, but to, but to think they're going to go back and change that, I completely disagree. I don't know where their logic is for, for them to say that he's below that is just so benign. So to PFF, that's just such a weird, weird marking. I don't get it at all. Yeah, very, very low. And there's always some quarterbacks that just by their name, by the team they play for, they get a little, they get a little, ex- they get some extra points that bumps them up a couple slots. I think Dak Prescott's there. Tua's there because he's he's lucky enough to have the, two of the best receivers in in the league. Matthew Stafford, you're right, that one's just puzzling. They have Deshaun Watson in there at 13, which he hasn't done anything in like three years. I think that that's ridiculous. He had an awful last season. He sat out for a season. I, I, it's, it's just, it's not a list that I agree with either. So we, we will be the first to celebrate this. Yeah. Two is lucky enough to have a brain cell. (laughs) I, I, you know, (laughs) for them to, to mark him that high too. Listen, I, I, I want him to be successful, but if he takes another sustained head injury, he, I don't think he's going to have a career path and, and no disrespect to him. Because what what he did this last season, in in the start of the season was was phenomenal. He he had to have been in the top five conversation, and he still deserves that chance. But man, is he ever banged up? And I don't want to see him go down and, and take a sustained career injury. So hope to him that everything's okay and he's <clears throat> he's aware of the risk. Yep, for sure, for sure. Well, we will be the first to be celebrating when the Lions get a you know, a 10 plus win, a double digit win season. It's very likely not out of the question. And Jared Goff will prove the haters wrong for a second season in a row. Any final thoughts? What, when's the last time we beat you guys at m and I don't know. I, I can't even tell you the last time. So the, the, the prospectus of, of being able to do that this season, oh, I love it. And if I can be there for that, I, I, I can assure you, your drive, our drive back to Delaware will be miserable for you. Miserable. I will make it hell for you in that car if we beat you. And you can do the same if you beat me, but I won't be upset because I know we're not supposed to be as good as you guys. I believe it. I, <laughs> I believe you will. And you have every right to after what the Ravens have done to you in the last couple meetings. There's just something about it that, you know, just you deserve to win twice and both times Justin Tucker came in with a dagger and I, I would be very excited if I were you as well. And as a Raven fan, I'm very excited too. It'll be, 
you guys are a young team coming up uh, with a lot of potential and I'm excited to see what you guys got and you know how we match up. I agree. I agree. Anything else? I wish Patrick Queen was a lion. I wish Patrick Queen would restore the roar with us. Yeah. Well, could be. Wait, what's a- your guys thing again? Ravens flock. Ravens, Ravens flock. Ravens flock. Hashtag the flock. Arr! Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Driven by Detroit. What a slogan. Any other Ravens slander you want to throw in here before we send it off? Um, I don't like J.K. Dobbins. I hope J.K. Dobbins goes for 100 plus on you. I hope OBJ catches a insane one-handed catch on you guys. And I hope Lamar goes for 350 yards passing and 150 on the ground. I hope John, I hope John scratches J.K. I hope John intentionally stra- scratches J.K., so he can't play at all, and he gets zero touches this season. I, I hope, I hope Gordon goes for like a thousand rushing yards. That's just not going to happen. That's what I hope. That's just not going to happen. Baltimore, Baltimore Twitter would all blow I can do up. is hope. I, I, that's all I can do. The city would burn. Well, we will continue. Um, JK gets zero touches against the Lions. <laughs> Then Gus will just barrel over you guys. Gus the bus. I mean, Gus, Gus bus. I don't know. It'll be fun to see that. That's one that I'm looking most forward to for sure. Ready to get the season underway. I'm so glad that football is back Wednesday night. Let's get one final prediction. I don't think we got it earlier tomorrow night, tonight when the podcast comes out, women's world cup, USA, Netherlands, what's your game? Score prediction. Two one states. Two one. I like that. US has had trouble scoring goals in that first game. I think it's going to be one nothing USA. I think it's going to be a tight one. Let's hope that they bring it home and go two up in the group stage. Any final thoughts? That's it for me, brother. Thank you guys for joining us in another episode of Sofa Sports Podcast. Until next time.